Securities and investment advisory services offered through Next Financial Group, member FINRA SIPC. Sierra Ridge Wealth Management is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. The S&P 500 is a market-cap-weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies in leading industries of the U.S. economy. This material is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of Hunter and not those of Sierra Ridge Wealth Management or Next Financial Group. Next does not provide tax or legal advice. Welcome back to the Wealth Accelerator Podcast. Hunter Lowry here. I'm a financial advisor, and my goal is to help you to create a family legacy, not just short-term wealth. Okay, guys, I got to have a bucket list experience over Easter weekend. I went and watched the Masters Tournament. If you're not familiar, it's basically the Super Bowl of golf. It is played at Augusta National in Augusta, Georgia. Same course every single year for I don't even know how long. I mean, it's it's been played there forever one of the most prestigious most exclusive courses in the entire arguably the entire world and it was just so so incredible so actually one of my buddies has a friend a buddy's buddy that (laughs) gets tickets every year and that guy he'd been waiting 35 years to get the opportunity to buy the tickets so now luckily that person he has them every year however He couldn't go one of the four days. So um, my friend had the opportunity for buying two tickets for Friday's round. And he asked if I wanted to go. So of course, I mean, I I don't know. I may never get the opportunity to see the Masters live ever again. So had to jump on it. So we buy the tickets and off we go. So we leave Thursday morning of last week at four in the morning to go catch our plane. We actually flew to Greenville, South Carolina, which one of the best airports of all time. It was so easy to get through, so clean. And South Carolina was just unbelievably beautifully green. Um, I thought Northern California was green. South Carolina, at least this time of year, was incredibly green. I'd never been there before. It was just beautiful. So um, we stayed at another buddy's house in South Carolina that night. And we woke up at three in the morning, Friday morning. Now, remember three in the morning, Friday morning over there was midnight California time. So I was dragging tired, but we had an hour and a half drive to get over to the course. So we go to the golf course and we are in line waiting for the gates to open a little before five in the morning. It was about 4.45. And there were already probably a hundred people in front of us in line. It was just crazy. So we stand in line all the way until 7 a.m. No phones are allowed inside either. So I left my phone in the car, uh, in the rental car. So I was just like staring at the stars, kind of just being bored. It's amazing how much I tend to just plan my phone when there's nothing to do. And it showed during that time because I was really bored for <laughs> for those two hours. But finally, seven o'clock hits. They open the gates and it is a mad rush, just a mad rush to get to the gift shop and the course and everything, which you're not allowed to run there. If you didn't know, it's a very, very strict rule. No running. But if there's a lot of people that just kind of do the power walk thing and, and try to get after it as much as they can. So everybody runs out, sticks their chairs at the at the hole that they want to be at, goes through the gift shop, all the fun stuff. Um, my buddy and I, we went through the gift shop, did all that, shipped our stuff back home, 
and you know I've told you guys I love to play golf so I wanted to see the whole course so we ended up walking basically all 18 holes because it looks way different in person than it does on TV it's actually pretty open the holes are very close to each other um, off the tee box it, it's not a very challenging course but the greens holy moly they are fast they are hard and they're very hilly it's pretty nasty um, with your second shots in and your approach shots and everything we had an absolutely amazing day. Uh, if you know the course, we ended up sitting on 15 green in the grandstands over there. Uh, kind of the notorious hole. I forget what year it was, but pretty recently, Sergio Garcia, he he put like three in a row in the water or something there. And a lot of people do because the green's really, really sloped back to front, back towards the water. It's pretty, it's pretty hard to hold it on that green. So we sat there and we watched about 80% of the players come through. Um, but if you watched anything about the Masters this year, we were there the round that the, the trees fell down. So we're sitting there watching the, watching the round and it goes from absolutely insanely hot and sunny to cold, rainy and windy, just like that. I mean, it happened quickly. And all of a sudden, I mean, right directly in front of me, probably 30 yards in a direct line from where I'm sitting, I just hear people start screaming and running. Um, and all of a sudden, these two gigantic trees come thundering down. And it was so, so loud and just boom, hits the ground. And it was really, really scary. Honestly, when it fell, my heart just sank. And in my mind, I was thinking 15 to 20 people could have just died. I mean, it, it, there, that tree fell in the middle of a gigantic group of people. I don't know how it didn't kill anybody. There was even a lady that ended up standing in between the two trees right where they fell. I mean, I don't even know how there was enough room for her to stand in between the two of them. But nobody was injured. Thank God. I mean, it was half, halfway just a miracle that nobody got hurt. Um, and of course, you know, they ended up uh, closing the round. They, they, they stopped play at that point. Um, number one, it was just gross out, windy and rainy. And number two, that those trees were laying right directly across a 17th tee box. So they had a little bit of maintenance to do before the next uh, Saturday morning round. So it was an amazing, amazing experience. I was back home by Saturday evening, extremely quick trip. But like I said, bucket list experience to get to see the course at Augusta and had an unbelievable time. But I've also been watching the Netflix series Full Swing and it's about golf. So it's a really, really great show. Even if you don't particularly like golf very much, it doesn't matter. It goes behind the scenes of the lives of, you know, different golfers, the journey that it took for them to get to where they're at. And even better, the politics and the social battles between the PGA and the live players, which, you know, if, if you know a lot about golf, then you know about this, uh, the big debate between the PGA and live and everything. But during the Netflix show, one of the episodes, it was on Brooks Kepka, And he's been one of the top players on tour for quite a while now. He was dominant for a while. I mean, he absolutely crushes the golf ball. He has tremendous power, finesse, and a lot of confidence to go with it. It's a pretty good formula. But long story short, he ended up joining Liv in order to get the big paycheck. And, you know, he'd been fighting a lot of demons on the golf course. So he was talking about how much his poor play was just consuming him. He would zone out while his wife was talking to him, just thinking about his golf swing and how to try and fix it. And he was in such a bad mental place. He was saying how he just felt like he'd never get back to playing well again. And, and he would just never be able to get back to that level. And actually, after last year's Masters, he missed the cut. So he didn't even get to play all four rounds. And I recently read in an article that that year that he missed the cut, he tried to punch the back window of his rental car and just break it out of frustration. Now, fast forward only one year, one year later, 
and he wins second at the Masters. I believe that it paid somewhere around $1.5 or something insane to win second there. Uh, he actually split second with Phil Mickelson, but that's not important. <laughs> what is important is that he went from a missed cut last year to winning second place this year. And actually, he was leading the tournament after the first two days. Well, if you were not looking for a Masters recap, here's how it ties into finances. Different sectors of the market, on a year-by-year -year basis, they look like pro golfers. Up, down, side to side, they go all over the place. But like golfers, certain sectors have better track records than others and thus tend to hold higher weightings in our portfolios. When you look at the careers of some of the greatest golfers right now, like Brooks Kepka, he's had years where he did outstanding and made a ridiculous amount of money in years where he was irrelevant. But over the long term of his career, we know he has the talent and we expect that he will win more tournaments in the future. We just don't know if that's gonna be next month or in three years. But it can be pretty similar with investing. I'm not gonna say that investing is as sporadic as the earnings of a professional golfer, but these different sectors, they really do ping pong around. And something that I really like to look like, look at is the Callan periodic table of returns. I've talked about it on the show quite a while ago, but um, the, a recent one just came out since the 2022 year ended and I was looking at it the other day. So I wanted to bring it up. And it shows the annual returns for nine different sectors, emerging markets, small cap, large cap, bonds, real estate, you know, all of the above. So from 2003 to 2022, that's 20 years of returns. The most sporadic sector, as you might imagine, is emerging markets, which that makes sense because these are foreign markets that are not yet fully developed. So five out of the 20 years, they were actually the best performing sector, but four out of the 20 years, they were the worst performing sector. So they really, really ping pong around a lot. And it's a cool table. You should Google it if you've never seen it because it looks kind of like the periodic table of elements. You know, all of the different sectors have different colors. So you can really see um, very clearly visually which colors bounce around the most on this table. But going back to uh, the actual sectors here, large cap US equity, which basically the S&P 500, um, it's one of the most stable sectors. And it normally is in the top half best performing and not one single time was it the worst performing. But you know what was the most consistent worst performing sector? It was cash. 40% of the time, cash was the worst performer. And the funny thing is, it's not like you can lose money in cash, but the returns are so small that it frequently underperformed every other asset class that's being tracked up until 2022. <laughs> Last year, as we all know, it was rough. Cash was the number one performing asset class. It returned about 1.5% last year, which it's funny to say that most people would have been happy with a 1.5% return last year. The next best asset class for 2022 behind cash was high yield bonds, and that sector lost over 11%. It was just a brutal year. But this table, it really demonstrates the power of two things, diversification and time. Not timing the market, time in the market. If you went heavy emerging markets, thinking that you were gonna hit a home run in 2015, you would have lost 15% in that sector. Then imagine you panic, think the sector sucks, you sell it. Then in 2017, guess what? You would have missed out on a 37% gain in emerging markets. When you look at this table the past 20 years, you can physically point out the exact years and exact sectors that if people got scared and sold, you can see exactly how badly they got hurt in, in the one to two years following. But really the only thing that can help alleviate you know, the fear and concern that people have with investing is facts. And this is a great table to demonstrate why I preach so much about having that long-term mindset, having that diversified portfolio, and understanding your specific goals. 
because then the ride isn't that scary. We are not panic trading and the news of a bank failing, an interest rate hike, a pandemic, it doesn't destroy our investments because we're able to rebalance, stay diversified and hold these investments for the long term. Because again, they might ping pong around a little bit, but you can always see the rebound happen one to three years after the worst years of that certain sector. So if you would like help reviewing your portfolio, talking about your specific goals and seeing how we can reach those goals while taking on the least amount of risk, you could always go to my website at hunterlowry.com and book a free one-on-one -on -one discovery call with myself. I'd love to meet you and love to be able to help you out. So with that, everybody, it's a great day to have a great day. Take care.